Hello, welcome to another edition of the Round Ball Ramble podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Forge. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. So check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com, S P O R T S E T H O S. Fancy content, team podcast. This show by yours truly. All of it and more is there. So make sure to check them out. Today, y'all, I am excited to be joined by a friend, colleague, uh, basketball content. Uh, producer extraordinaire. Um, listen, I can come up with so many more things to say, but we'll settle for Mr. Mike Shear. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course. Definitely appreciate you hopping on. Um, I've had you on before. In fact, I was looking at my podcast yesterday because the one that we're doing today, um, one that behind the scenes, y'all, we actually had recorded most of the day before, but your boy uh, had a, a saving error. This is going to be my 300th podcast. So wow, congrats. That's yeah, a lot. thank you. I appreciate it. I feel like some of it is some um some good team, uh good or bad stat, good team, or nope, good stats, bad team stuff, because I was doing a daily podcast and we're getting back <laughs> into that. So a lot of it just generated from that. But yeah, over two and a half years, I do fairly good about 300. And so I was That's looking crazy. at some of the other ones that I've done, and one of them was the off-season superlatives with yourself. Um, and that was a fun one. But what I want to do now before we get to the topic of today is really just kind of go back a little bit and circle back to your basketball journey up to this point. Um, I've been trying to do that for guests in general, trying to understand what got them into this content space, why they love basketball, what their specific focus is. And I think the history of that is always so interesting. And with you, I mean, you have a Substack, basketball poetry, um, you, you work obviously with basketball intelligence, which is basically like the encapsulation of like consuming basketball content and, and producing it. This is perfect. Um, crossroads there that's not the word looking for either way the point being you are around the game on a regular basis in addition to everything else you do outside of that so i wanted to get your story and just how you got into that um what sparked the love and what has you on the path you are on right now yeah um well first thanks again for having me uh essentially i was working in finance for like a decade you know do not recommend um and uh <laughs> At the end of that, I was like, hey, you know, time to go to business school and figure out what I want to do going forward because it's not the finance stuff. So went to business school right as the pandemic hit um, when we were all locked in and with nothing to do. I started blogging about the NBA, which had been my passion for pretty much my entire life. Um, and I was lucky because I got some like, you know, I got a little bit of notice from some of the big names in the industry. I got shouts out from like uh, Nikias Duncan and Dan Devine. And that kind of put me on the map a little bit. Then Ray LeBove, who you know, our mutual friend, um, runs Basketball Intelligence. He reached out to me about potentially helping him run Basketball Intelligence. And so I jumped on board that. So now, yeah, I have Basketball Poetry, uh, basketballpoetry.com. Everyone should check that out. Basketball Intelligence, we send out a daily seven days a week email um, with links and stories from all around the web, along with some of the juiciest quotes and most fun stats that other people are pulling up. So check that out. We're currently running a big holiday special. Um, but what's most exciting about basketball intelligence is we get to work with some of the most talented people in the industry. And we just launched our partnership campaign, which includes massive savings for basketball intelligence subscribers to some of the biggest independent NBA websites out there. So things like True Hoop has a 30% off uh, for basketball intelligence subscribers. Last Night in Basketball with Jared Dubin, Statitudes with Justin Kubatko. Uh, Fieldhouse Files, if you're a Pacers fan, Housing Growls, Knicks Film School, Rose Garden Report, Corporate Knowledge, Raptors Republic, and of course, for NBA draft coverage, No Ceilings. All those guys have partnered with Basketball Intelligence, so uh, make sure you check it out. Check us out. 
Yeah, that is wild. Um, as someone who is honored to work with both you and Mike, it's really cool to kind of see, or I've seen this coming together, but just as a basketball fan, like it doesn't get much better than this, right? And with the work that Basketball Intelligence does, you know, the work that we do putting all this together um, and the amazing um, publications that we partner with, like if you love basketball, it's kind of a no-brainer in my mind, you know, to get the best everyday access to, you know, special, like, I don't know, just the straight experts at, their field, their specific team, their specific, you know, roster construction specialist. It's really cool. So definitely make sure to check that out. Um, yeah. And thank Love you, Mike. the sales pitch out of the way right off the bat. That's the best. There we go. Hit him hard, hit him early. You know, it's not football, mm-hmm. but might as well take that philosophy. In there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I love that. So definitely make sure to check that out. I will have the link um, uh, for all of this later on in the show. Um, well, when we're done recording, the link for this will be in the podcast. So you can definitely take advantage of that. But it's worthwhile. It's not even just your normal sales pitch. Like you like basketball, you listen to this podcast, you know, do your due diligence. Check it out. Well, that being said, thank you for sharing not only your story, Mike, but also a really good discount for fans of the show and others to really take advantage of. And, you know, I think that speaking of taking advantage of things, um, there's certain teams that take advantage of, you know, uh, the trade take- deadline. <laughs> In a few days where certain contracts that were signed, you know, can be traded. I think it was December 15th <clears> and I think on January 15th. So we're recording this is going to drop on the 12th of December, so three days ahead. Um, I think teams take advantage of that. Our topic today is teams in need of a shakeup, which y'all knew because y'all read the title of the pod. But we kind of want to go into, you know, teams that we nominate um, that we think for whatever reason should shake it up, whether it's a seismic change, whether it's a little change around the margins, whatever the case may be, what move seems to be needed and how we would address said need. That's basically how we're going to kind of format this show. Um, and we're going to just kind of bounce it back and forth for a few teams here. going to start with Mike. He is the guest. And then we'll go back to myself and just kind of share some notes and thoughts on different squads. So, Mike, you had some interesting teams. I know a little peek behind the hood here. Um, let's get your first team nominated. Yeah, you know, I think the first team that I want to talk about, and hopefully this one can be brief because it's not so much about the on-court product, unlike all the other teams on our list, is going to be the New York Knicks um, and this may come to a surprise as people because they're playing pretty well after, you know, a bit of a slow start from some of their players, particularly Julius Randle, but they've perked up a little bit. Um, however, there's been some really interesting comments coming out of Nick's world recently, uh, particularly from Josh Hart and Quentin Grimes, where they're expressing their frustration with their role on the team, whether it be playing time or touches or a quick hook. Like I think it was Grimes who mentioned, like, if he misses his first shot, he feels like he just gets pulled from the roster uh, or pulled from the lineup. Um, and to me, that speaks of like the team just having too many NBA quality bodies. And it feels like there might be some sort of consolidation trade the Knicks might want to do. Um, all the reporting has indicated the Knicks want to stay pat and just like hold on to their ammo for a future superstar, um, which who may not be available this uh, this season. It might be more of an offseason thing. But you also don't want to let like this internal dissent fester, right, and start to drag down the attitude of a team that's frankly playing pretty well. Um, And you couple that with the recent Mitchell Robinson news uh, where he's going to be out um, somewhere between eight and 10 weeks, I think, before he's even reevaluated. So he could very well not return until the end of the regular season. And it feels like there might just be uh, a medium ish, small to medium move made where they trade some of their guards for uh, somebody else, whether it's a Boyan Bogdanovich to try to juice up the shooting. I don't know how that fit would necessarily work with Julius Randle, but I think he's probably the best like movement shooter that you could get. I wonder if Gary Trent would move the needle for them a little bit as a, like a more typical three and D guy. He's having a little bit of a down year shooting wise, but I think that he has a pretty long track record of, of being good from back there. 
Um, so yeah, what do you what do you think about that? No, I kind of agree. I think that something needs to be done. Um, I was looking at one avenue. Well, first off, I mean the Mitchell Robinson uses seismic not only for him, you definitely hope he recovers and quickly or as soon as possible, because eight, 12 weeks is a chunk of time, but also just the next big man rotation without him, right? It's right. it's a lot of Isaiah Hartenstein, like you said, Jericho Sims. Um, and because um Coach Tibbs is big about keeping, you know, the quality of his bench, as he says, you know, he started Jericho Sims, who is not Mitchell Robinson. Um, <laughs> with that being said, like you would think, okay, is there a move to address that need? Because Mitchell Robinson was a big part of what they did, particularly defensively. Um, also, like, what kind of contracts do you have to make a move? And I look at um obviously Evan Fournier, who has been wanting to be traded for uh, a few years now. Um, maybe, <laughs> you know, Quentin Grimes um is someone who is available as well. But also, and this might be like a dark horse because he's been so important to the Knicks. How do you feel about Emmanuel quickly? He's gonna be a future restricted free agent to be at the end of the season. And his value has been amazing. Um, he's been able, he's been a runner up for the most recent six man of the year um, award. He's averaging career best 15 points per game. He's often the first guy off the Knicks bench. Um, and, you know, he's been equally capable of serving as a starter in place of either RJ Bird or Jalen Brunson or coming off the bench. But I don't know if you want to, you know, I, I, I would, but I also don't know where he's prioritized in terms of a contract coming up this next season. And if you were to trade him, you know, the value that he brings to the Knicks, obviously that would reap something back in the trade market, you'd imagine. Yeah, I would I would think so. I, I do think like he his playoff struggles last year might have put a little bit of a cool might have cooled off the trademark from a little bit. Um, but it mm. also depends on I guess who'd be looking at him. He is a young guy, so like he would make more sense on some teams that are still rebuilding if they want to see what he could do in a featured role. Um my my instinct is that the Knicks love quickly and are in no rush to move him. And I don't think like I, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure who they would move to try to get more big man depth or to get another guard, but it does feel like there's just too many guys there, and they've got to get rid of a couple of them. Uh, my bet would be on it being either Hart or Divincenzo potentially once he's eligible to be traded. But I mean, Divincenzo's also been shooting the cover off the ball, right? Like I feel like he's actually yeah. become pretty important to that team. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, ultimately, I, I don't know. It, they, obviously, the Knicks need to make moves. They can't. I don't think they can just keep sitting on their hands and hoping a top, you know, ten player just falls in their laps. Um, and I doubt one becomes available during this current season. The Knicks can get to the summer probably is their best chance of doing so. But like right now, there's a clear sign on this team for me, and I think it's like a second round exit, right? Um, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are, are, are both good players. Jalen Brunson a little bit more than Randle, in my opinion. But like they're not the level of talent that just raise up another level and vault you deeper into posting attention. That's just not what they do. Yeah. You're um, never going to get commensurate value for Randall's highs. I think like there's, he's just such a weird player. There's no way another team is going to value him at a level where it's going to bring you back anything resembling equivalent player value. Right. Uh, at least that's my opinion. I don't, I don't know who would be excited to trade agreed. up like young players or, or even established veterans for Julius Randall. I agree. And he's I agree. playing well right now. So he is. Like you said, the highs on their high are high, right? The lows yeah. are like three for 19. Yeah. A lot just a of jacked up shop. Yep, exactly. So I'd like to get off the Julius Randall ride. I like him, just not as a featured <laughs> player. And maybe a trade might help with that. But we won't know because I don't think the Knicks do anything here. Yeah. Um, but a team I really hope does something that I also am not optimistic on, um, speaking of, is the Chicago Bulls. Um, hmm. That's the team I'm not going to talk about next. The Bulls, I mean, listen. They've actually, and I hate to say it, but like since losing Zach Levine, have had a lot better fight. Um, they lost uh, their most recent game against the Bucks, but it went to overtime. That was good. DeMar DeRozan went up for 40. That was nice. You know, people listening want to trade for a guy like that. Like, here they are. Um, as it stands, I mean, the Bulls' record isn't great. 
Um, they currently sit 12th in the East at 9 and 15. Um, just in general, haven't been super great. And we saw a lot of dysfunction early. Like you, like we talked about, um, well, on this show, and I think we talked about before as well, like a player's only meeting after game one of the season. Um, yikes, you know, not a whole lot going well there. But since then, I don't know. It, it's Zach Levine gave the most innocuous uh, trade request around. Um, so that's <laughs> been a thing. Um, and the Bulls, you know, then he got injured or was injured with some uh, right foot soreness. And since then, the Bulls have kind of been a little bit better. Other guys have stepped up. Kobe White's been shooting the ball really well. Um, other young guys have been getting more of an opportunity. Um, I think that you've been able to have DeMar DeRozan and um, Nikola Vucevic in roles that are maybe better suited for them. Like, they could still raise their level up a little bit, but, like, they aren't the go-to guys because I don't think they ever really were. Um but yeah, it, it's just been a, a weird team and just honestly not a good team. Signs for, I don't know, improvement or signs for hope moving forward with some of the younger guys. But bottom line, you're a team that currently is, you know, in the 20s in offensive, defensive, and net rating. 21st in offensive rating, 22nd in defensive rating, 23rd in net rating. Just one step lower each time. You got to love it. Um, but yeah, Mike, what are your thoughts on the Bulls and like making uh, a move, whatever? <clears throat> Yeah, you know, I think first off, I like I uh, I have a lot of notes about the Bulls, and they're mostly negative. But I feel like Bulls fans kind of get uh, pooped on a little bit too much for their team. Like what they really need is a new front office and a new owner, right? Like this is a team that is designed to generate profit, not a team that is designed to compete in playoff games. Um, and you know, it's really hard to make major changes if you have an owner who's not willing to make the competitive moves, and you have a front office that seems to be willfully blind to their own mistakes. Uh, I don't anticipate them tearing it down to the studs, even though they're finally talking about potentially moving on from Zach Levine. I don't think Levine's trade value is particularly high right now, and it might actually be better for the team to let him come back from this foot thing and like demonstrate that he can still be a valuable player, right? Um, I don't know who'd be – like the reporting is that nobody's really that excited about pulling for Levine. Alex Caruso, you might be able to get like a first-rounder from a contender for, and that's worth exploring, of course. Uh, but, you know, I think, like, for Bulls fans, like, there's still some things to look forward to. Kobe White, I had as a, uh, you know, candidate for most improved player, and that was before his recent stretch where he had, like, 33, 24, 19, and 31 points in his last four games. Um, I think it's pretty cool that at least there's, like, a guy that, you know, hopefully you'd be able to hold on to and, uh, you know, build around a little bit going forward. Maybe not as a superstar, but as to a potential high-level contributor um, on future Bulls teams that are going to be good. His story's actually been really interesting as like he's really evolved his game a lot in a, the last couple of years. Like he started off as like an all offense guy. Um, then he slowly transitioned into trying to be more of like a distributor and defender, which I thought was really cool, uh, particularly the defensive side. And then he had some interesting quotes before the season about wanting to return to his scoring roots. And we're really seeing that, especially in Levine's absence. So I've, I've been really impressed with Kobe White's journey over his whole career, not just this season, but we're finally seeing it culminate in something awesome. Um, and as you mentioned, like DeRozan's passing has been really uh, superb as he's picked up a lot of the playmaking duties without Levine in there. But yeah, I mean, I'd love for them to tear it down. I just don't think they're going to do that. I'm not even sure doing it right now would be the best value return for them. But at the same time, it'd be nice just to get it over with, right? Like rip off the bandaid. I just don't think they will. Yeah, I agree. It, it'd be something, I don't know. It's something we haven't seen from these Bulls in years, which is just like a full culture reset, just moving on like making it a thing um i don't know if they will either i think like you said the levine market has been tepid at best um he's not really i agree he's a good player not a great player who's not really he's a good fit but not a great fit for teams especially teams that would like his services that would have to give up something of their own to make that happen and the long-term contract he's on is 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 
difficult to gauge, especially the injury history, right? DeMar DeRozan, um, better because he is on a one-year expiring deal, but as a player, he's a little more of a, of a divisive fit just because mm-hmm. of an established way of playing, not really spacing the floor, kind of needing the ball in his hand to be effective, not really being a great defender, not a, not a Levine-level bad defender, but not a great one. So that's something to consideration as well. Nikola Vucevic, just, he's staying in Chicago. Um, like, <laughs> you know, like, I get it. I, I, I would hope that there would be a move at least maybe – you tell the vets, hey, we're going to play the younger guys more and you could be more of an ancillary role um, or we could work on buyouts with y'all or we could figure out something. But, like, we're just going to embrace the tank. The problem is you should have been done that the year before with a generational prospect in the draft, and now you're doing an arguably one of the worst draft classes in recent memory. And and not even in, like, a bad way. I've been looking at the draft class. I'm just saying you're not really – if you draft someone high in this draft class, they're probably going to join the ensemble of Bulls young players right now. Like, <laughs> good but not great. Some promise, but who knows. That sort of thing. So, yeah, I'm with you. I just think that a move is, like, screaming out um, just as season goes on because you made this roster iteration, what, three years ago, 2021 at this point, with the hopes of competing for, I don't know, second-round exit, and you're not even reaching that ceiling. So, I don't know. I I hope something happens, but I'm right there with you in the thought that it probably won't. Uh, What's your next team that you like to talk about, Mike? Uh, let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Um, so they are to me, the like ultimate less than the sum of their parts team where there's a lot of guys in that roster. You look like, and like yeah, yeah. I kind of like that guy. Like he's got some, you know, real value he could bring to a team, but it just doesn't add up to much right now. Um, I was not high on the DeJounte Murray trade when it happened. Uh, I don't like the fit of Murray next to Trey Young at all. I think that they miscalculated a lot of the value that DeJounte Murray would bring. And in some ways, like Murray's actually been better than I expected on offense. Like he's turned, especially this year, he's turned himself into like a reasonable catch and shoot shooter um, from deep. He's hitting off the dribble. He's dr- He was driving a little bit more. That's kind of tailed off recently. But like Murray is allergic to contact on both ends. Like he's not a physical guy. He, he's scared to shoot free throws. I don't know why. And um, like he's a very good point of attack. I, sh- I shouldn't even say that. He's a very good defensive playmaker who's a pretty good point of attack defender. If he's guarding a small guy, he has no flexibility. He can't switch onto bigger players very successfully. Um, and so like, yeah, he can guard the best point guard, but he can't really do much more than that. And um, I, I I think, especially if you are trying to design a team with playoff hopes, versatility across positions becomes more important than excellence at one or two positions. Um, and I just don't like the theory of the roster construction there. There's still two guys who are better with the ball in their hand. Uh, and the defense has been perplexing to me because Quinn Snyder is a very good basketball mind, but the Hawks are allowing the second most shots at the rim and the fourth most corner threes, which are the two most valuable, you know, geometric areas on the court. And I don't know what kind of defense is designed to allow both of those things. Um, and they don't have like amazing defensive personnel, obviously, but like that, that to me speaks of schematic issues. Um you know, J- losing Jalen Johnson hurt. Like, he was playing awesome. He was, like, an, a most improved candidate early on. Um, but I don't understand why A.J. Griffin, their rookie from last season, is not playing. He seems like the kind of potential 3 and D player down the road that you'd be wanting to develop in at least some minutes. But he's essentially out of the rotation. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich has been playing very well. He's been sh- I, He had a crazy night last night. He's been shooting super well. Yes, he did. Uh, but they still need, like, a wing a defensive minded wing who's better than DeAndre Hunter or a bigger guard that they can sub in almost like a Caruso type that they can sub in to uh, be a little bit more versatile defensively at the point of attack. Um, I'll pause there and let you uh, riff off that. 
Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I agree. I think cutting through, like like you said, you've identified the need. I totally agree with that need. They need to get a better wing. They can upgrade that position. Um, the question is who, right? Uh, and do they have the piece to make that move happen? Because if you consider DeJounte Murray and Trey Young untouchable, obviously, I said that in the opposite order. I meant Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. But the bottom line, you consider those guys not touchable, then you're looking at, what, a Clint Capella, a Jalen Johnson perhaps, even though that'd be kind of counterproductive, being that you need more wings, and he's been, like, one of your good ones. DeAndre Hunter has been maddeningly inconsistent, but, like, with Johnson out, he's been your best wing on the floor. Uh, AJ, AJ Griffin is there somewhere, you know? Um, yeah. Will we find him? Who knows? But he's there. Um, and so, like, you wonder, okay, what do you have to trade that will get a player, like, that will get an upgrade that you're looking for? I doubt teams are knocking down the door for Sadiq Bay, unfortunately. Um, mm. With that being said, like, what player would you be looking at? Like, Zach Levine's been in the center of trade rumors this season. I don't think Zach Levine helps them at all with what they really need. Um, you know, Bogdanovich, I, I wouldn't move. He's been, like you said, solid. Literally was on a heater um, in their most recent game last night. Um, I, I I just don't know. Uh, Pascal Siakam, possibly. OG Nobi possibly. But Pascal Siakam, yeah. I think, is more of a four than a three. And OG Nobi, I just don't know if the Hawks have the assets to get him. Right. That's the bummer, because I think OG would be – Siakam would be an interesting fit, because at least he'd bring a little bit of what, like, Jalen Johnson had, which is that, like, playmaking from the four spot, some rebounding, you know, just, like, some more feel for the game even. Um, but he also isn't much of a shooter. Neither was Jalen Johnson, but – Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd, you'd like to see more shooting around Trey Young at all times, right? But uh, I also think that like Alec Burks was a smaller name I had on my list as like sort of a six six, just like big guard slash uh, medium sized wing that can do a little bit on both ends. Uh, but yeah, the name because the Hawks like I do think they have the contracts to make it work, but I don't know if they have like like you said like players that are appealing to other teams. So I don't know that they could go get OG Anobi. I'm not even sure they could get Siakam. I'm like dying to know what Siakam's price ends up being. I can't wait for that because I, I could see it going any number of different ways. But yeah, I the Hawks have just been designed like very purposefully and I just wasn't, I, I don't really love the vision for it. Um, the one thing I should say is like, hey, they have a positive point differential, fifth off best offense, fifth worst mm-hmm. defense, nine and 13. Like they're playing, the results are worse than they should be, but it's still a team that projects to be a 500-ish team just like they are every year, it feels like. So yeah. You said it. I, I wonder how that works itself out. Um, again, I feel like all these teams are brought up so far. You hope something happens. I think the Hawks are just their philosophy maybe to make something happen. I know there was a rumored trade. Apparently, um, Sports Illustrated said there was a, a rumored deal for um, DeAndre Hunter, AJ Griffin, and some draft compensation for Siakam over the summer, which obviously mm-hmm. didn't happen because here we are talking about them. But like, was that maybe... one of the AI writers for Sports Illustrated? Or uh, uh... <laughs> no, funny, funny. No, you're right. Listen, I yeah, that that whole thing was a mess. I didn't really get to comment on that. Um, maybe it was, and that would explain why, you know, such a <laughs> god-awful deal was offered. But no, I'm playing. But um, with that being said, I don't know if the Hawks will make a deal. Not because they don't want to, just because they really don't have the means to do so. Um, another team to be monitoring. All right, here's another quick hitter for me. I just want to get your thoughts on it. I'll kind of set it up. The Clippers. Um, mm-hmm. They actually are doing decent, I guess. Like, they seem to be so, you know, good here for a minute, bad here for a minute. Like, they'll come and have a, a great win over a tough team and then to give a disappointing loss to a very shorthanded roster and you're like what is going on um yesterday i mean it took heavy minutes from paul george and Kawhi leonard but they were able to beat um the portland trailblazers a tough trailblazers team mm-hmm. they are better now anthony simons has been better shaden sharp's been good like even with deandre eight now um they they've been better but with that the clippers are currently eight they're 12 and 10 they've just been maddeningly inconsistent the james harden trade has definitely brought mixed results you have pj tucker 
um, who was brought mm -hmm. in with James Harden. And he not only there was like talk that he was frustrated with his role, um, and then it was confirmed last night uh, where he said, quote, I feel like I still have a lot to contribute to a team to be able to win, whether that's here or somewhere else. I know myself, my worth. I know what I bring. I know what I brought. I know what I continue to bring. And with that, I want to be able to go to a good team that I can be able to help that. And then he elaborated even more saying, you know, when asked if he sees himself having a role down the line, I mean, yeah, obviously coming here, you try to figure out the best way to be possible to be able to do what you do. But, you know, like I said, sometimes you see it and it ain't there. Sometimes you see it, but the team doesn't see it the way you see it. So, like, there's definitely something there. Like, where there's smoke, there's fire for sure. Um, and, like, he all but, like, lit the match himself out there last night, uh, which isn't crazy because P.J. Tucker at this point is not, like, at all a huge name, like a hard or anything like that. But he is, like, a player that can make an impact, right? Um, but it's not even about P.J. Tucker. That's, like, the biggest, like, nugget of news here. It's also, like, the fit between James Harden and what that's done Russell Westbrook, who has given great performance off the bench. But, you know, Russell Westbrook in the bench is kind of weird, right? It's um, what's happening with the wing players that are not PG or Kawhi, right? Um, how does Harden fit in as a point guard who needs – like, there's a lot going on there, but the biggest elephant in the room is this. At the end of the season, Kawhi – PG, Harden, and Westbrook could all be gone. They could all move on to different teams. Um, and the biggest ones, of course, are PG and Kawhi. Um, and this is the healthiest they've been uh, as Clippers together in their tenure in Los Angeles. But, like, from we haven't heard any extension talks. Are uh, the Clippers willing to ride this one out and just see what happens at the end of the playoffs and say, okay, we'll bring you back or not before they go into their new arena? Like, what is the conversation there? They've been injured more in the early 30s now you're paying a contract going to take them through their mid 30s into the late 30s potentially like is that something the clippers should do should they shake up should there be a trade for either of them while there's still some value to be reaped back like that is the questions i have or those are the questions i have yeah i mean <clears throat> i was a little surprised you put them on the list to be honest uh just because i feel like you know their their shakeup was adding james harden right like this is clearly their last go at it and i think if this goes badly you know, you have the competing pressure of like they have that new stadium opening up and obviously they want to have a compelling product on the court. But like, I don't know that like the PG Kawhi experience has been all that thrilling for Clippers fans to begin with. Like they haven't had the success they hoped for. Obviously, they're always hurt. I don't think that Kawhi especially has really endeared himself to the fans. Um, you know, I and I had an article a couple weeks ago titled, Uh oh, Paul George is the Clippers best player. And uh, the point was like, hey, Paul George has been playing great this year, but if he's your best player, then your ceiling is only so high. Um, and Kawhi's looked a little bit better of late, but to me, it just seems like a labor for him to get to his spots. It seems, you know, the shot, it looks flatter than ever. Um, some nights he comes out and he looks very springy, and then he comes out the next night and he looks like he's just creaking out there. And uh, I worry that, you know, Oh, worry is not quite the right word, but like they're not a top tier team in the West. I think James Harden substantially raises their ceiling. Um, which I mean, that's not like an uncommon opinion, but I just, I don't think they have too many moves left to make. And uh, I, you know, I think that the Harden stuff has started to stabilize, like the starting lineup for the Clippers has been very good uh, overall. Um, and I think they're just going to go in there. hope everybody's healthy and see what they can do in the playoffs. I still don't think that anybody's going to want to play them in the playoffs. If, if everybody's still healthy, even if you think they don't quite have the firepower that like the nuggets or maybe the Suns have, but no one's going to be excited about playing, playoff Kawhi Leonard right like if he's if he's healthy no matter if he's a little creaky or not so we'll see I I don't I can't see them making too many but maybe they'll add like a seventh man type or eighth man type to the roster mm -hmm. especially if PJ Tucker wants out but uh yeah I don't know I, I think the shakeups happened and I think they're just gonna ride it out see how the season goes and then decide what to do with some of these players who don't forget Paul George and Kawhi love living in Los Angeles so I don't think they're gonna be 
eager to leave, even if they're not signed to extensions. I think they're going to want to stay in LA no matter how the season plays out. And I think Clippers are going to look at it and be like, just judge based off how the playoffs and the rest of the season goes. Yeah. No, and mind you, that makes sense. I, I put them really, it was like, should they make a shake up? Question mark in that category because of their kind of tenuous position going to off season. It would definitely be wild. I wouldn't say it's completely unsurprising <laughs> if there was something to happen, but like, it, it would definitely be an outlier for sure. So this was a quick hitter, more of a question than anything. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think more than likely they kind of ride out the line because they do have the talent on the team necessary to make a championship run. I just don't know if these players are, I don't know. I don't think they, they have, they have the potential to do it. I just don't think that they will. There you go. These players at their current stage of their career, whether it's fatigue, age, a combination of both past injuries, like I just don't see it, but it's possible. So, yeah, it was more of a, of a question for me. The Clippers have to believe it's possible because they don't really have any other options. Like, I, I don't think you'd get that much back for Kawhi for one-year rental. Maybe you would get something for sure. But, like, mm-hmm. that, that he has proven already that he will stay for one year and he will leave no matter what if it's not a place he wants to be, right? Just ask Toronto about that. Season could not have gone better, and he was still out there for L.A. the second he could. So, yeah, I, I, like, I don't think they're going to shake it up. I think they're just going to give it one go and see how things go and reevaluate. No, that's fair. That's fair. I definitely like that for sure. Um, you're calling another team, friend. Uh, I think one of the other teams that you had on the list that we could talk about is probably the Raptors. Um, so you know, Raptors are obviously like the number one team on everybody's list of teams that need a shakeup, but there's a good reason for that, and there's a lot of different ways they could go. Last year, I think everybody expected them to be sellers with Fred Van Vliet, No Janobi, and Pascal Siakam. And instead, they bought and brought back Jakob Pertl in a trade that has looked, I don't know if you want to say disastrous, but it hasn't looked good because Pertl's played fine, but the team mm-hmm. results haven't been there. So it's almost like, what, what's the point if you were the exact mm-hmm. same team as you were before? You know, yeah. it looks a little bit better. Um, I, I didn't understand their offseason at all. I didn't understand the signing of Schroeder, who like, it is funny because the Schroeder experience is the same everywhere he goes. First 10 games, people love him. He's like, oh, my gosh, he's so fast. Look at his defense. Like, he gets to the hoop whenever he wants. His three then, ball then, goes down. Yeah, and then games, you know, 11 through 20, people are like, eh, it feels like he probably should be passing a little bit more. feels like he probably should stop shooting uh, pull-up three-pointers with 21 seconds left on the shot clock. And then games 21 onwards, people generally fall out of love. And then the playoffs, it's been a mixed bag. But – uh, you gave the uh, perfect Dennis Shooter experience. I'm sorry. <laughs> Great it's almost like the opposite of that uh, meme that always goes around about Jimmy Butler, right? Where it's like the first month of the season, it's like, what's basketball? The second month of the season, it's like uh, MVP caliber. And then in the playoffs, it's like, this man is Michael Jordan. <laughs> I think that is the opposite of the Dennis Shooter experience. I love that. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, they just have a lot of redundant parts. And I think the Raptors have been so interesting to me as a learning experience around roster construction where like the theory did make sense when they started this project of like, let's get a bunch of length and a bunch of guys who are pretty good at everything and try, you know, or at least like are capable of doing a lot of different things. Maybe is a better way of putting it. And let's see what happens. And I think that the league was watching that very closely. And it turns out that you still need guys with specialized skill sets. Like, of course it's better if every player can do everything, but you still need a guy who is able to set up the offense. You still need a guy whose role is off ball shooter. Like you just need certain skill sets that players are designed for. Even if everyone can do the same thing, you have to play different roles. And I think that that is, has been a learning experience for a lot of people, including me. It's it's been fun to see and recognize the value of like guys who have specific roles and are able to fill them. Whereas the Raptors have a bunch of guys who are like decent at filling a bunch of different roles and it's hasn't added up to team success. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely been interesting. I don't know what Toronto does. I mean, are they going to go 
into the trade deadline with the same situation that they've had with Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry before him, where a guy who could potentially not return for they nothing. They can't. They can't, right? I, I say that. They you probably will. That. I was about to say, <laughs> I thought they wouldn't with Fred Van Vliet. Like, that was the, – the steam was there, and yet here we are. Like, I hope that that wouldn't be the case, but I have no faith in their front office to do differently. And I hate to say that, but we just haven't seen reason to, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, please say. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, the one thing that isn't peculiar, I think, is like how everyone is so excited to trade OG Ananobi, who to me is like a guy that does fit pretty like Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam overlap way more than OG Ananobi does with the other two because he OG Ananobi is such a good like stationary shooter and obviously can be defensively more versatile than either of them. I think Scotty Barnes defensive versatility has become a little overrated, even though he's become an excellent defender overall, but he's not really quick enough and he doesn't stay low enough on the perimeter the way that Ananobi and Siakam do. Um, And I think that like there is a world where if they're able to get something interesting back for Siakam, you get back something, you keep Ananobi and you hope you can resign him. If you hope that Siakam's absence opens up more offensive role for Ananobi and he's happy to stay there right like if you think that's yeah. a viable path and is the type of player that every good team wants to have and I wouldn't be in a rush to get rid of him but uh you know it just comes down to whether you think he'd stay in Toronto this year or not you, you can't let him leave for nothing in free agency when his price tag you would imagine will be much higher than even Fred Van Vliet's would have been last year so yeah no you're right I you wonder how that looks but I totally agree with you on that like potentially you could get more reset your your franchise not that OG's old by any chance but like 26 like he's in his prime i'm not really sure what yeah. players you're specifically looking for but more an archetype player that you are looking for right to build around scotty bonds and and, and make this the next raptors, raptors team of the future because this current iteration you could say from 2020 to now i think Kawhi, like the i, I would call the Kawhi era like the completion of the demar de and kyle Lowry era if mm-hmm. i had to and then i'd say from 2020 to now would be like you know the rest fred van vliet pascal siakam og and nobi and now this would be a natural evolution to like change into whatever the future Raptors would be so I agree with you completely I just don't know if Toronto will do that I guess it depends on your faith in Masai Jiri and you know what we'll hear um after the fact from Sham Sharani and all the other sources <laughs> of what the Raptors could have done and what was offered and what they didn't take and that's why yeah know, yeah the Akin will go to another team randomly you know in free agency man I wish there was a Mike Conley clone that could just come onto this team like be like a secondary like be a you know an awesome guy to get them into their sets hit off ball threes like just kind of orchestrate everything and keep them chill because like i'm just so tired of watching the raptors half court offense be so terrible um and i love scotty barnes like he's he's been so good this year but he's still not he's not quite as good as people think he's going to be yet right like he's still growing into his role a little bit he's a little bit limited offensively if he can't like draw the fouls or finish at the rim although the three-point shot has been very legitimate. I've been very impressed with that. Like I get nervous when he is sort of getting the ball with the back to the basket and then trying to make a post move or like a quick move to get, go and do hooks and stuff like that. Like that hasn't actually worked out as well for him. I feel like he's best offensively when he kind of gets the ball on the move and is able to kind of like use his uh, dynamic ball handling and his like ability to map the court to make plays for others or make plays for himself. But I, they run so much through him through like the mid post with his back to the basket. And that has not, that's been good for passing, but it hasn't been good for Barnes's individual like ability to score. And you mm-hmm. look at the numbers and it's pretty clear. Siakam is still the best player on this team in terms of driving winning. Um, again, he's older. He's not going to be the best player for forever. And it'd be nice if he could hit a three pointer at all. Uh, oh yeah. It's been rough. 
Yeah, so like it's just a, I don't know. The Raptors are a mess, man. But I, I because there are so many ways to make this team look better in the future. I like I do think it's going to be really interesting to see what they end up doing. Um, because there are a lot of avenues that I think are plausible, and I think like I said, Scotty Barnes's leap overall, like he's become a freaky good defender, uh, like guarding like fours and fives particularly. I think and is a help guy. Um, but if the three point shot is real, like that changes everything for Scotty Barnes going forward. So like, I, I have been low on Scotty Barnes in the past, I think, but this year has really changed my mind. Like I do think he's on a like insane trajectory now in a way that I didn't last year. Um, and the nice thing is like the, the areas that he can improve upon are areas that players can improve. And what I mean by that is it's like, you get some of these guys who like, don't have feel for the game. It's like, you don't become better at you don't become much better at mapping the court as you get older. You don't become much better at like just making quick decisions as you get older. Right. Like there are skills that mm-hmm. you can build upon that uh, you can get better at though. And I think those are the ones that Scotty needs to keep working on. So I like, I'm really excited about Scotty Barnes. And I think if you have that, the Raptors can't be too bleak of a situation. This isn't necessarily like Chicago, right? Like there's still hope for the future. You just have to figure out the best way to pat- chart your path forward. Yeah. The <laughs> Raptors slogan should now be we ain't Chicago, but like, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well. I agree. It's true. It's true. Um, another quick hitting team. I want to bring really more of a question mark in that Clippers category would be the Golden State Warriors. Um, mm. They just been down. You know, I think a lot of it has been some regression, um, whether it's permanent or, you know, otherwise from both Clay Thompson, and Andrew Wiggins, um, Steph Curry's been balling out, but like only so much he can do. You know, I like Chris Paul. I thought that Chris Paul has been great helping to stabilize that Warriors bench, but They've been called into action more in the starting lineup because of injuries. And you've also had Draymond Green, who's been all over the place, but playing decently well, you know, when he's not being ejected or suspended or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I don't think I'm making most of Moody have had minutes, and I think they've been actually pretty decent in those minutes. But consistently moving forward hasn't been a thing, but neither has their role, right? So, like, mm. that's been a thing. Brandon Pajemski is in there and hasn't been super bad either. Like, they just feel like a, a mess, a little discombobulated mess, a talented discombobulated mess. But a mess just the same. And you wonder, Clay Thompson, a free agent at the end of the year, was playing pretty abysmal the first month of the season. It's kind of getting a little bit better now, but defensively, you definitely see slipped. Offensively, he's not making threes. It, it, it's not super great. Um, and he's had some rough performances. And he wants an extension. And I think, you know, given the way he's performed for the Warriors over the last 12 years, one is probably due. But if you're also looking at, like, how much he will probably want and, you know, like, what's this going to take from the team that's already pretty expensive in addition to Draymond Green, who's already pretty expensive and has also regressed slightly? Like, that, that that's kind of an albatross, potentially. So I just don't know. If the Warriors are – if you're saying, hey, are they a championship team right now? No, they're not, right? No. If you're saying, like, a deep playoff team, what is that, second round, like, last year? I don't even know if they reached those levels. Like, like their ceiling is not great. Steph Curry is playing amazingly well and be 36, like, later on this year. Yeah. You know, so, like, I feel something has to be done. I just I, – I, I'm – stricken by indecision as to what that would be yeah and it's weird because like their ancillary pieces are actually playing better than i expected in some ways like chris paul's been better than i think a lot of mm-hmm. people expected i was like luke War- pot slightly positive on chris paul and i think he's been about that like slightly positive one thing that's fun i do want to call out is i think steve kerr has used chris paul in a lot of the same places where he uses Draymond. so chris paul's in charge of like catching the ball on the wing while they're doing all their split cuts and stuff like that right and i actually think that's helped uh, his integration where they're putting him in positions to be less of a, like an on-ball playmaker and more of like a catch the ball and make a quick decision playmaker, which has been fun to watch. Um, but, you know, he's hurt. He'll probably be hurt in the playoffs like he is literally every year. So you can't really count on that. Way too much of this team is dependent on like Dario Saric, which mm-hmm. makes me like he's playing great, but makes me real, real nervous. Uh, yeah, what? like what do you do with 
with Clay and Draymond. Like Draymond slipped um, on defense, like pretty substantially, which I mean, he was coming from a very high point. So he's still a good defender overall. I, but like, he's not going to be in any defensive player of the year conversations. I don't think, um, no. uh, you know, he, he is making threes this year, but he's also like, no one cares. Def- you know, he doesn't, even if he shot, he's shooting like 45% or something, I think from three, something on, like, wild. three attempts yeah. per game. Like he's actually hitting them on low volume, but not zero volume. And mm-hmm. uh, defenses do not care at all. They will live with Draymond with, you know, one and a half Draymond threes per game. Um, yeah. Clay's shooting. I feel like he's kind of a slow starter every year, but this does feel different. But the real problem to me has been Wiggins. Um, he not only has Wiggins not been able to shoot, he just, he looks kind of scared to shoot. Um, the turnovers are way up, even though he's like playing less and has a reduced role in, in general. I think that's an interesting thing to monitor. Like mm-hmm. he, this team went, especially when Chris Paul was on and they started off really well, like they had that great start to begin the season, their turnovers as a team were way down. And then I, I haven't looked at the exact timing, but it definitely correlates a little bit with Chris Paul's absence is like their turnovers are back up again, except they're not hitting the shots like they used to. So like the offense overall is just kind of ground to a halt a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, if they can find a way to get like at this point, I don't even think they need to get the value back so much as they just need way more from the Wiggins minutes. And that might just be simply shifting those minutes to some of their younger players that have been playing better, like Moses Moody. Um, so to me, the Warriors, I, I just can't see them trading Clay or Draymond. Um, and if that's the case, the solution is going to have to be an internal trade where it's just trading minutes between players, right? And seeing what some of their younger guys can do in bigger roles and like. For as much as we want to talk about Kuminga, like he's actually playing like the exact same minutes total this year he was last year. You know, like a flat 20 minutes per game. Moody's obviously playing more, which is good to see. But these guys need to get the regular season reps to get more comfortable because I am not convinced that Wiggins is going to be able to be on the court with them at the end of the year. Um, Clay just has too much, you know, history. Draymond's got too much history. They'll be out there one way or the other, I think. Uh, although I say that Draymond did get benched in the playoffs last last year, I think, for a little while down the stretch, right? And so like, Maybe maybe Kerr is going to be brave enough to do that to the guys who aren't playing well this year too. So maybe I shouldn't assume that. I would hope so. I, I don't know if I. I feel like there's a sense of loyalty almost misguided to a certain extent. With you kind of have to, time. right? Like they've had True. so much success, and there has to be a hangover eventually. And this is it. And this is just what the championship hangover looks like. Unfortunately, gotta, yeah. This is the price of being so dominant for so long. Oh yeah, I sh- as, as somebody who rooted for the Thunder, you know, middle of the 2010s, I shed no tears. But, you know, <laughs> like, but no, I get you, and, and it's it's a, it's a it's a reality of the situation. I just don't know what that looks like, um, and we'll see. I mean, they have a long stretch at home uh, by the midway point of this of this month. So maybe you know, friendly confines at home, building some continuity, they'll get a little bit better. That'll at least be good to see. But again, we will see. I just feel like something should happen. But um, any other team? Last kind of few quick hitters. Anything, Mike? You kind of want to touch on uh, before we kind of transition out of here? Uh, I, I think those were all the teams on my list. So unless you had one more that you wanted to talk about, then uh, I think that's it for me. I did not. I, I guess I will say this. Was there a team that you're looking? Okay. Let me throw out uh, a nominee. Um, The Wizards. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm what glad you bring up the Wizards. Wizards? Yeah. I do. You know, it's funny. I think I love to think about the Wizards and their coaching situation, especially the West Unseld, because there's so many things that they do on the court that, look smart and that like I'm very impressed by and then it just adds up to a terrible team always yeah and I'm like always. is this the coach's fault is it the talent's fault uh, like Wes Unsell gets a really bad rap and I feel like he's actually a very creative coach in some ways mm-hmm. and like like okay so here's a fun here's a fun thing the Wizards uh are second best team in the league at finishing at the rim and second best team in the league at nailing corner threes 
Um, they don't shoot a ton of corner threes, but they're like slightly above average uh, at attempts at the rim. And they also like don't really turn the ball over. And yet they have like a way below average offense. Um, and like the crazy thing here is like they're just one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in recent history. Like I think the number went slightly up after last night's game. But when I did this research yesterday morning, they were the lowest offensive rebounding team since the 2016-2017 Mavericks. And uh, they were like four percentage points below Oklahoma City for the second worst offensive rebounding team. Um, wow. But then like the defense is like can't protect the rim at all. Like actually when Gafford's in, they're actually fairly respectable. Uh, respectable is a strong word, but they're not horrendous when Gafford's in, right? Like yeah, they're just a regular bad team. They're just a regular bad team. But like he really should be a high-end backup, right? And so I, I would love to see them get uh, a center with a little bit more potential. Um I mean, Koulibaly's been cool. Like, I think that's the the thing that Wizards fans can take solace in is that Koulibaly's shown enough flashes that you can be pretty excited about him as the future. The less said about the Jordan Poole experience, probably the better. But I, yeah. it was a it was a reasonable swing. Like, I, I, I've never been super high on Poole, but at the same time, like, you can't deny that he has had a lot of very high value moments in his career. They've come and gone, and they were in a unique Golden State ecosystem that doesn't success in golden state doesn't always translate to other places just like mm-hmm. success in other places doesn't always translate when players move to golden state they just are such a unique team but yeah. pool yeah i mean i don't think pool is going to be there kuzma kuzma will be interesting if they you talk about shakeups shakeups and kuzma's the one everybody wants the wizards to trade i mm-hmm. don't know how much people would really give to him i mean he played a real role on a championship team already with the lakers right and but he's changed and grown a lot since then like i don't know how happy he'd be being like a 3 and d like fourth or fifth option on offense now. Like, I think this is a guy who enjoys going out and getting his right. And uh, the oh, defense, absolutely. he has been a good defender at times in his career. He's not a good defender now. Um, is it possible to switch that, to flip that switch? I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. I, I look at, uh, for tanking teams, uh, Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma, the Jordan and Pippen of our time. So definitely, <laughs> definitely like what I see there. But you're right. Like, I mean, Koulibaly has been uh, actually pleasantly surprising. I was not super high on him. I feel like I'm even crowing a lot of rookies. I wasn't super high on going into the season. But mm. I did. Brandon Miller for the Hornets has been surprisingly solid. I yeah. really hoped that the Hornets would have grabbed Scoot Henderson. But, like, Miller's been solid, right? Yeah, Koulibaly, cool to see. it really has been. And Koulibaly was someone like, I, I big question about his offensive game. Wasn't sure what I felt about that. Um, but he's actually been really assertive on some self-creation. Defensively, he's brought in what we thought he would coming in. and it's been nice to see him get some decent minutes as well. And you're right. I don't think it's on what's until junior um, for why the team's playing so bad, but good God, they're playing bad. Like, yeah, yeah. I tried to watch it last night's game and I just couldn't do it. I could not do it. Um, it's just ugly. And you can see, you know, whether it's the antics on the floor from pool or stuff behind the scenes, you have some really solid players mixed in throughout. I thought, you know, Denny Abdija has been playing pretty decently. Um, I like Corey kiss, but I really think he'd be a really solid player on like a Brooklyn nets or a contending team. Just the way he plays. Um, I feel like it's kind of wasted in, in, in Washington. I hate to say it that way, but it is. But, like, I feel like a shakeup could be good. Because even if you want to be a bad team, like, okay, a bad team with some of your younger players getting some more shine. Like, right, right. Kuzma's in his, like, 20s. You know, Poole's young enough. He's just not very good. But maybe you say, <laughs> okay, you know what? We'll make Poole the centerpiece. We'll trade Kuzma out there. Maybe I like Kuzma on the Kings. Or, I don't know, Kuzma on, like, another fun team where, like, it'd be cool to see his offensive game, like, show up. Maybe he can recommit the defensive side of the floor since he's playing on a team with actual expectations. And if you're watching, mm-hmm. he gets some draft picks back or some younger prospects or something. And just fully commit to this, like, rebuild. Because right now, you still have enough players between, you know, Kuzma, between um, Tyus Jones, who is always a solid guy, between, you know, um, DeLon Wright, I haven't seen a lot of him. But, like, between those that. guys, yeah. exactly. Like, you, they can recoup some value and actually help contending teams. And so – 
I don't know. I think that the Wizards should make a move to just further commit down the road they're already on. But if not, listen, they're doing great, kid. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, doing great. I I can't be too upset about the Wizards' place because they were like Michael Winger was dealt a bad hand when he joined the team, and I think that they, they did the best they could, or else they wouldn't have done it. Right? Does that make sense? I, yeah, I think yeah, that, exactly. Like, given the mistakes of the previous uh, administration, like I think that this current group is doing the best they can. I think that. Cool Bali was a was a great start. I, I was surprised by that pick. I don't follow anything but the NBA, so I don't know anything about these guys personally from like college or international or anything. Mm-hmm. But everybody said Cool Bali was going to be like this massive project, and who knew what he was going to look like? And, you know, project to me almost always ends in disappointment. And uh, I mean, you're a you, you obviously follow the Hornets closely, and you saw some some of that with like the Kai stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. like projects okay. just don't end particularly well. But I've been really pleased with Cool Bali, and like at least they have direction. The direction it's going to be ugly. It's going to be you know, it's it's going to be a arduous road before Washington is good again. But there is some solace in knowing that like at least you guys know what you're going to be for the next couple of years. Asset accumulation, young guys. Let's see what pops. So I'm with. It's it. not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. No, that's true. I like the fact that we kind of ended on a team with the West Wizards, who you know they they're on a path. Let's just say that they're on a path. They could shake it up. They could not. It's fine. But. Definitely want to thank you, Mike, for hopping on and just talking about some of these teams with me. I definitely think it was interesting. Yeah. Um, a lot of them, uh, it's funny. I thought when I first came up with this topic, oh, yeah, we're going to have a few teams that we're just going to change up and this is how it's going to be. And it's like, eh, a lot of that we, we talked about. It, and then it's like, well, hopefully it do something. Maybe not. We don't know. We will see. But, with <laughs> the day, you know, with the trade deadline, uh, trade eligibility date kind of opening up, um, hopefully we do see some moves from some teams that actually need to because we both follow the NBA, you know, explicitly. Like, we both um, – really want to see uh, not transactions i don't think either of us are in the transaction focus game if anything i'm more into it than you are just because i play a lot of general manager games but like in terms of seeing teams having needs and addressing those needs to make more competitive basketball that's what we right. want to see so yeah. i think we're both on the same team when it comes to that um but lastly i want to ask you i asked this for all first-time guests but then i said let me just ask for all guests because i haven't really asked this for people um you watch basketball you talk about it you write about it you probably play it. Actually, I know you played oh, yeah. We talked about it. So I have to ask, um, what is your go-to move on the pickup court? And I, I put, like, an example, uh, the LaFucky 3, which I love the name of that. Yeah. But, like, what is your go-to move? Because I I love hearing that. I know for me, I got, like, a Sean Marion-type shot. I'm kind of related to him, so I think that works for me. Well, not kind of related to him. I am related to him. But also, I have a really good spin move going back to my right when I go to my left, and it works really well. And that's, like, my go-to. A step back on the left side and a spin move on my right. If I need a bucket and I feel like I can get one on you, I'm probably doing one of those two things. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's funny because in my in my youth, and I'm in my mid-30s now, but in my youth, I was sort of a, like, pass and defense first point guard. Um, you know, and okay. I, I, I could I could get to the lane, but I didn't have much of a shot. As I've gotten older, uh, you know, and I've started to slow down, and i got to let some of these young guys take on more of the, the ball handling duties. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had to develop different skills. And my go-to move right now is my favorite thing is a put me uh, – on the left block and I get the ball in the post. Um, and I like to do sort of, this is going to be hard to describe, but it's basically okay. a righty finger roll over my right shoulder, right in front of a very surprised defender. I did that to somebody who uh, one time he said, I'd never seen that move in a basketball game before. And I'm like, that's what happens when you have no formal basketball training. You got to get creative. And <laughs> so uh, it's, you know, guys, like I put a left shoulder into the guy, knock him a little bit off balance and just mm-hmm. kind of finger roll it right over my own shoulder back to the basket. And, uh, that that has definitely become my my go to move in the post when I need a, a counter to to some of the other stuff. I like that. I like. That. Oh, it's very yeah, ugly. That, that's, but very it reminds effective. me. 
that's like my jumper. And there you go. Like, you know, it ugly but effective. Like, it works. And also, like, the way you described it, it sounds like a play right out, like, the 70s or 80s. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, a basketball move where they would do, like, the hook shots and the finger rolls from different angles. Be like, what? Like, I'm 20 feet away. I'm uncorking a hook shot. You know? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. That is cool. So, would you consider yourself more like an inside player? Like, I, I need the scouting report on Mike. Uh, I'm, no, I'm, always, I'm always a point guard. I'm definitely a little bit – I'm not quite as good at getting into the lane and kicking out, but I'm a better shooter than I used to be. So, I'm, now I've I've, like – you know, when you're a kid and you're comparing yourself to players, right? Like my guy that I always wanted to be was Jason Kidd, right? Like that was, I was my guy growing up. Yes. Now I would say I'm much more of like a Mike Conley type. Um, but I will play a little bully ball on the post if you give me a chance. There you go. I like that. Which that's what I was going to say. When you were describing yourself, I'm like, he's evolved to like a late career Jason Kidd. Like <laughs> maybe right. someone who wasn't a really good outside shooter. but Yeah, really. One. That's what I was. I was a younger Jason Kidd. And now I'm a late career Jason Kidd. Man, that's like, a great yeah. way to put it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because Jason Kidd would still like post you up every once in a while. For but sure. Would just be a standstill shooter. I love that. That is that's funny. way to stay to your archetype all the way through. You know, I didn't even think about that, but you're definitely right. That's that's I, exactly I, what happens. I love it, man. That's fun. Well, thank you for sharing that. I uh, look forward to one day maybe seeing you on the court. Um, that would yeah, be fun. I hope. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. You know, I'm hoping we're rooting for next season fell through this last year because Colorado thank you but you know we'll yeah. see how next season works out but um I want to say I've also enjoyed this conversation so thank you so much Mike again for your time and um your insight this was fun can you please let you know let the people know where they can find yeah. you one more time plug in BI and basketball poetry please give that some love as well yeah yeah so please check out basketballpoetry.com um this has been a great month of of content I think for the site it's done really well audience wise so definitely look at that Make sure you go to Basketball Intelligence. So that's something that Corbin and I collaborate on along with our partner, Ray LeBove. Um, And that is like a key resource for everybody in the media, right? Like our customers include huge media personalities that you've seen on TV. It includes uh, at least one person in every NBA front office. So like Basketball Intelligence is something you have to check out. Uh, find me on Twitter at bballispoetry or on threads at basketball double underscore poetry apparently somebody has already claimed both basketball poetry and basketball single underscore poetry so threads basketball double underscore poetry and uh yeah thanks for having me corbin it's been a lot of fun oh of course always absolutely and the person who has that handle should give it up because i haven't heard of them so you <laughs> so know there upset. we are <laughs> exactly but no i appreciate you and your time mike and thank you again um i'll have the link to everything he's sharing in the description of the podcast you can find me on Twitter at Corbin MBA, C O R B A N MBA. We definitely appreciate that. Make sure to check out uh, Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, sportsethos.com. Basketball Intelligence, Mike already said it, but I'll say it again. Like, make sure to check that as well. And then one more thing I, I collaborate on a podcast on Switch Theory um, called Roster Reconstruction, and we've been doing a pretty good series on the different me- mechanisms of team building. We did about a two hour conversation on just the draft. And we just finished about a two-hour conversation on free agency and the trades. And we talked about the good, the bad, and the 2023-2024 Chicago Bulls. So, you know, everything was covered there. Definitely make sure to tune into that. But that'll do it here for another episode of Round Ball Ramble. I want to thank y'all again for tuning in. For Mike, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. And I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.